It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Here we are on Friday. It is Carcone Carne. I'm James Van Osdell. And when you're done watching this, assuming you're going to stick through this, go to the Cold Waves 2020 event. They're they're killing it. They're doing such a good job with this digital event. Twitch.tv slash Cold Waves 2020. Tonight, they're showing full video of the first ever Cold Waves event like eight years ago. It's awesome. That's happening. Uh, before we get to our guest, I should mention Carcone Carne tonight, sponsored by C&H Financial Services. As business owners continue to serve their communities, they're faced with a lot of challenges as they navigate through this new normal. C&H Financial Services is here to help. They offer a variety of products, ranging from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expenses associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. C&H Financial Services ETEP solution is easy to set up for your business for online ordering and curbside pickup. C&H also offers cost-effective commercial lending programs, which can help get your business the money it needs to make it through these unprecedented times. To learn more, Contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us. Uh, my guest tonight is a longtime colleague of mine. I've known him for probably 25 years at this point, which makes me feel old. But uh, in, our, in my head, we're both like 25 years old. Because we are. Because we are. Uh, he is John Reigns. John Reigns for... The better part of this century held senior management positions with Live Nation, the live music concert promoting venue running behemoth, the industry giant. Earlier this week, John, you were furloughed from your position, which was tough. And again, we, we talked about this beforehand. I'm sorry to hear about that. I know a lot of people are going through this right now. It it sucks. Sure. Yeah. Are you doing are you doing OK? Yeah, I am. Look, it's uh, I'm I'm definitely not the only one who's who's dealing with the challenges that come with the pandemic. So um, being in, in an industry where we thrive and, and our business thrives on, uh, on large social gatherings when you can't have them, uh, it kind of puts a wrench into things and, and what you want to do. So, um, you know, it's great to see people like Jason and the Cold Waves guys doing what they're doing and, and keeping music uh, at the forefront and keeping, you know, live music alive. So you are John Reigns. Earlier this week, you exited via furlough your position as Senior VP of Marketing Midwest. I, I guess the first place to start is where are things at right now? You have, you've had your hands in and on and around every major tour, every minor tour uh, this century. How, is this salvageable? Is this survivable? Without a doubt. Look, I think that we are, we are at a point right now in, in globally that we, you can't gather and we need to get people to buckle down. We need to get people to follow CDC guidelines or to just do, do the absolute least that you want to do. Just wear a mask. Just stay six feet away from people. If you want to party with people, go around a house with them and stay there for 14 days. But like it's it all we continue to hear and all I think, you know, 
the process of doing uh, drive-ins and the process of doing streaming is showing is that people are clamoring to get back to somewhat of whatever the new normal is. And live music is a huge part of that. And social gathering is a huge part of that. So I think it's without a doubt, it's salvageable. It is, there are a ton of people dealing with it. Uh, a lot of people much smarter than me who are, are sitting around tables and deciding how we come back and when we come back, but we will come back. What's the vibe from the other side, from tour managers, artists, managers? What are you I, feeling for them? I, I think that everybody's kind of in the same spot. It's, we know we can't do anything now. Let's plan for later. Let's set a benchmark to hit and then let's hit it. Let's find our goal and achieve the goal. And that's really, you know, it's, it can be used in so many different kind of cliche ways, but it's really hard to get outside of that base thing. People love live music. We, there is so much that rides on it. It is in, you know, I am, I am one of millions of people in the country who are a part of the live, enter, live entertainment and event business that are being impacted by this. Um, you know, we've got crew workers who are out there who this is their sole, yeah. you know, their, their sole positions in is touring. And I was lucky enough to be able to continue to work and to continue to try to innovate and be a part of how we come back until it, it was just not sustainable anymore at that point. Um, there's a lot of people that have been out since March. I yeah. mean, we, everything shut down March 13th and we're seeing it with restaurants. We're seeing it with live music. It's all entertainment. We are the first shutdown. We're going to be the last ones back. Well, talking about back in March, when did the reality of COVID, when did you start to feel the reality of COVID? Was there still optimism up to a point this year? Yeah. That, I think that things would return back to normal. I, I think it depends on who you ask. I'm not the brightest bulb. Um, you know, I'm not in, in the C-suite meetings. I'm, I'm more, you know, on the ground and, and kind of in the trenches. And look, we were still putting shows on sale on, on you know, and, and planning for on sales that second week of March. Um, I, I, I don't think that anybody realized the scale of what we were about to deal with. Um, you know, it's, it's that storm surge uh, mentality where you see the water coming and it doesn't feel that big. And then it gets to you and it's a 20 foot wall. Mm -hmm. um, it was, uh, I think it, it was shocking to, to a lot of people and to people that, that, you know, had the foresight of seeing what was going to happen. There was really no getting out of the way of it. Well, one topic that comes up a lot and has come up as I've dealt, talked to different musicians and artists over the past six months is the need to innovate around this, to be creative, be inventive, kind of bully your way through the pandemic. You mentioned drive-in concerts. Yeah, I went to the uh, Local Aid show downstate. It was awesome. I, I saw them play at uh, Boomer Stadium. Also cool. That's not a sustainable business model because at some point it gets cold and shitty here in Chicago <laughs> and, ar and like, around the country. Like last night. Like, like last night, yeah. <laughs> so I... 
I don't know what that stopgap is between drive-in shows and normal. Well, and, and you've got, I mean, you can do the streaming and, and Twitch is doing, you know, you've got, not only do you have cold waves doing Twitch, but you've got DJs doing Twitch and, and the versus stuff that's happening and all that, which is great. And it's keeping music alive. And, and I say alive, not financially, but alive in, in, keeping the, the fan base engaged and keeping yeah. people involved and in, in that's innovating. You know, I think that it just, it really is getting down to the basics, stay inside, stay away from people, wear a mask if you have to go out and wash your hands. And, you know, we can get through this. The CDC is working. We've got very smart people, um, you know, in these multi-billion dollar, uh, medical organizations that are going to find a way to, you know, to help us stem the plague. And when that time comes, live music is going to be sitting there and just ready to bust out. I, I think that when we get back to large gatherings and large, <clears throat> pardon me, um, large events, live music is going to be massive. No argument, but let's talk about what that might look like. In let's say a lot of people say look toward fall of 2021. Does that seem like the, the general prognosis of when live music may come back in earnest? I think I think you can look at if you listen to medical advice and doctors and that sort of thing, and you have to kind of read between the lines. I think that mid 21 is sustainable. I don't think that there is any guarantees. I don't think there's any guarantees for fall of 21 though. I think that right. you can, you know, there were a number of tours that, you know, were moving from the April, May timeframe to the fall of 20, because we didn't know what the scope of this is. Right. I think as fast as it came on, it's not going to go away as fast, but it'll be, it'll start to be quelled as fast. So you'll start seeing exponential uh, protection, exponential um, ability to be out in a social gathering um, and not the, you know, you're allowed to open up at 20% capacity sort of thing. Well, okay. So let's talk about what that could look like. Venues open again, shows are happening. I, at some point, promoters, artists, everyone needs to, generate more revenue. They're, they're going to need to compensate in a way for the, the money they've lost for the past year. Do insidious new fees and programs find their way into what happens next? Like I, I had a, a waking nightmare where I imagined venues charging uh, for early entrance and ac- exit. Like, okay, you can be part of the first security line into the, the safe security line into the venue and you can be the first to exit. Because I, I can't imagine people flooding in and out of a venue they, the way they used to when this starts up again? The, those things already occurred. You know, those things were already happening. There were all, already um, VIP programs and early entry programs and all those sorts of things. So, you know, I, I think that what you see is actually it reverts a little bit back to the, you know, if there is a show it at, seven, the doors open at five. 
I think you see more touchless, whether it's payment mm -hmm. tickets, um, you know, RFID, you know, any, any of those technologies, I think you see those. I don't necessarily see it going to the, you know, um, to the end of it being somewhat insidious and there being these overarching fees. I think you see a plateau in that now. And then I think you, you start seeing a lot more fan-based um, just opportunities, whether it's, you know, if it's an early entry, you come in and, and there are five early entry lines to get more people in and you just space them out. I think that there's going to be a lot of operational adjustments. I don't think you see a lot of financial adjustments. And that'll make sense. That makes perfect sense to me. When this all starts up again, when people are, are, are back doing their thing, going to shows, what does that mean for, well, let, let's, let's take a step back. Civil, which wasn't affiliated with the company you worked for, or none of the venues were affiliated with Civil, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a big topic of what happens to live music venues in the wake of all this. What do you think that looks like one year from now with the threat of venues closing? Are, are we looking at a different landscape one year from now? I, I think yes. I just don't know to what degree. I think that what we need is we need the politicians to come to the table to realize the financial force that live music is, whether it's employment tax, whether it is sales tax, whether it is entertainment tax, and to really see, look, it's not just the music venues that are hurting from this. It's the larger you know, entertainment spaces, whether it's Wrigley Field, uh, you know, guaranteed rate, Soldier Field, anywhere we are able to gather in large areas, we're not able to do. There's no street festivals. There's no Lollapalooza. There's no Riot Fest. Like all of those things are such a huge boon to the tax base just in Chicago. Multiply that by all of the other, you know, large cities that have those sorts of things, even the small ones. And, you know, look at Lake in the Hills, I don't know, Beer Fest or whatever. They're all huge financial drivers to the tax base. For sure. So I think that you see the government start to really look at things and hopefully there's a little bit of relief given. I would hate to see any more of these smaller venues go away because they drive the entire business. You know, it's when it, what prior to, to my time at Live Nation, and I still use the terms, but it was really in my previous job, I talked a lot about cradle to grave. Like an artist would come in and they're playing a 200 cap room, and then they start playing a 500 cap room. Then you're playing the 1500 capacity club, and you may plateau at 2500 or 3000. And those, those Uber acts get to the stadium level and sustain it for a long time. But it's always a bell curve. There's, there's the, the rise of the career, and then there's the plateau of the career. And eventually, at some point, it starts to wean a little bit. Those smaller venues are critical to driving new music, to driving 
new fan bases and to keeping the established bands working and on the road mm -hmm. and keeping their fans sustained. So hopefully there will be, you know, civil's doing great stuff to save our stages groups. Um, I would hope that they're getting listened to. They're yeah. being loud enough and they've got a great platform. Like they just need somebody to take the cotton balls out of their ears and listen to them and realize the importance of what they are to the, to the tax base and financially what benefits a city gets out of these, these rooms being there. One thing I've always liked about you uh, in the years I've known you, you've always been kind of a zero BS straight shooting kind of guy, but in the same breath, you've always been positive. You, you've always had a, a positivity about you. What's kept you positive during all this? What, what have you focused on as the, the world's been literally and metaphorically on fire? Yeah, it's, it's the dumpster fire at 2020. <clears throat> um, I, I believe in, in, the product. I believe in live music. Live music is so incredibly critical. And there is nothing better for me as working on a promoter side than being at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, being down in the photo pit, turning around and seeing 27,000 people when the lights go down and hearing that and feeling that. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, probably because I miss it so much. Yeah. Um, and then seeing people that you know, like when I ran into you at Slayer, like seeing people you know really kind of just having a night out, like yeah, and 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 doing something cool, and to be at at a Slipknot show and see those fans, and then be at a a Luke Bryan show the next day, and the fans being just as passionate. And just as huge of supporters of that act is, you know, it just shows you the universality of it. So I just believe in it. And I believe in the people that we have who are kind of captaining the ship at this point in time. It's, I've been using this analogy a lot this week. I was talking to a friend of mine today, actually, and I said, your job is to help the ship get through the storm and into port. So the rest of the passengers can get on like, and that's kind of how I've been looking at this is yeah. it's life is cyclical and things like this are cyclical. And, you know, there are a lot of people hurting and there are a lot of people that are in, in really bad spots. And we've got the ability to bring this uber critical kind of escape back and I think it comes back and I think it comes back huge. And it's hard for me to think any other way because I don't remember a life without live music. And I wasn't a big concert goer before you and I started working together. And then once, once that door got kicked open, forget well, it. Well, yeah. You know, when you're, when you're spending every Thursday, Friday and Saturday in the lobby of Metro handing out stickers, you know, after that after was the worst you're talking about, you're talking about the Q101 days. I used to have to do that too. And it, it was always dreadful when you got assigned to do that at a punk rock show. It's like, okay, we need you to pass out <laughs> stuff at rancid. Fuck my life. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. It, you're just asking for people to berate and, and swear at you. Being, being at the very first Vans warp tour out in, uh, in the parking lot at Allstate when it's 120 degrees <laughs> and it's on, and it's on the, on the asphalt and it was seaweed 
and Civ and mm-hmm. this little band that hadn't broke out yet called No Doubt. And you're sitting in a tent and a black tent on black asphalt oh, yeah. in just the screaming sun. And all you've got are these stickers and you're just, mm-hmm. you know, getting verbally beaten left and right. But I don't know, maybe that's what helped me be positive later in life. Is, you know, <laughs> that's it. I was, I was dealing with stuff like that sometimes. So you mentioned the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, and I realized you've been furloughed from, from Live Nation. So this isn't really about Live Nation per se, but maybe you can answer this. I went to maybe seven or eight shows there last season, which was like a personal best for me going to that venue. Uh, it's not just me. It, the sound is better there now, right? I mean, okay. as a as a concert goer, like it sounded like I didn't have a, a, ba- a bad experience. I had great experiences there every time I went last summer. Like the sound was just spot on. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a lot different than it was 15 years ago. There's you know, you can sit at the front of house and program everything and hit a button and it'll bring it down a little bit in certain areas. And but there was a huge, a huge, you know, spend on a capital level for new sound systems and, you know, new uh, infrastructure when it came to even just cabling and that sort of thing. Um, two years ago, I, I think it was um, either two years ago or beginning of last year, they put up these brand new LED s- screens for the lawn. So the lawn became an extension of the, of the yeah. pavilion. And a couple of years prior to that, they redid the entire lawn sound system. So I think the technology is there. The technology is better. And when, you know, when you're putting the, the money into the infrastructure for the fan experience, which is what it's all about, then you get those great experiences. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a screamo metal act or it is a crooner, country crooner. It, it sounds fantastic. You mentioned Slipknot. I saw you at that show. I think I probably saw you at Shinedown and Alice Cooper and every other show I went mm-hmm. to uh, last year. Every time I see you, I think John's living his best life. Like the, this. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I always, I always tell people I, I have a job that, you never you know, your parents never wanted you to know existed. Exactly. Because right. you were supposed to go to an office and you were supposed to file paperwork and you were supposed to, I get to spend a lot of my days on site at a venue outside or have the ability to go outside, hear great music, interact with some, some great people and new friends. And I, you know, it's to be able to be a part of providing that experience to somebody is the biggest thing I think for anybody in, in my industry, it's, it truly does become about the fan. And the fan is the extension of what you want to be able, you know, it's how your benchmarks of success are set. It's not always ticket sales. It's not always, um, you know, the, the number of people coming through the gates, it's the smiles on the people's faces when they're leaving. And so, you know, Live Nation spent a ton of time, did a ton of research about just the fan experience itself because that's really become the critical part for all of the promoters out there. It's mm-hmm. about providing the fans an experience because, you know, the, the, the competition for the dollar is so. Well, that's just it. it. 
people as they headed to summer, let's say, they know they have X amount of dollars to spend on live music for that season. They, they have to be really selective mm-hmm. about what they go to see. So to your point, it has to be a great experience. And that's, the cost has to be right, but it also has to be the right band, right situation. It has to be the right vibe. All of that factors into people's decision-making because you want them to come back the next time their favorite band. Yeah, of course. Well, shit. I mean, you figure there are plenty of, of restaurants that have a 12 course meal with wine pairings and it costs you $800. Like, and that's, that meals with you for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the experience is there and the experience is what you carry. And, right. and that's when you talk to any foodie who's gone to Alinea, they can tell you everything they had and how it came out, but they can tell you what they felt like that's it. and what the weather was like. And that is, it's that just escape from reality for a couple hours. Well, it's a, it's a marketing line and you're a senior VP of marketing. It makes sense, but it's that idea of people may not remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And that's the, that's the takeaway. So you kind of said it. I don't think you can work in a job like yours and not be a music fan. I I think the same thing about radio, although sometimes I'm surprised (laughs) working as a fan in this position uh, up until this week as senior VP of marketing at Live Nation, not to rub it in. I'm just putting this all in context. What were some highlights for you? What were some of those shows were, that took you out of the job for a second and made you say, holy shit, I can't believe I saw that. Or I, I'm going to take that with me. Uh, there, there are almost too many to, to really point a finger at. A couple of them, though, you know, it's and and. So I had the opportunity to do the Pearl Jam 20 shows at Alpine Valley. And it was Pearl Jam and Chris Cornell came out and they did a Temple of the Dog, like yeah. kind of interlude and Glenn Hansard and the Strokes. And it was this two day festival. And then I think back to the very first concert I ever worked for Q101. And it was Pearl Jam at Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. sitting in the Q101 van in the parking lot. And I think about how much things have changed, but stay the same. And so true, you know, and so I, I, I think in that, just that event in that building, in that environment, um, the first night I was standing off to the side of the pavilion and Eddie walks out backlit in blue. It's raining he sets his wine bottle down and he goes into release and the whole place was silent. 29,000 people not saying a word. See, I, I've got chills as you're describing. Yeah, this. So do I, um, you know, there's that I, I growing up in high school, I was a huge U2 fan. Mm-hmm. And so I've worked on a number of U2 shows, whether they be the, U2 360 tour in the, in the stadiums, whether it was the Joshua Tree tour or the Innocence and Experience show at United Center. And I was walking through one of, one of my responsibilities when I'm on site at a show is to escort the media in and out, um, the photographers. So they're, they're not just in there shooting away at the show. Um, so they get the content they need and then they get brought out. And so I was walking that path with, one of the band representatives 
and we walked out of the VOM at United Center and it was during sound check and Bono is standing at the, just the tip of the stage makes eye contact and then starts flicking stuff at both had nothing to do with me mm-hmm. obviously knows the person I'm walking around with, mm-hmm. but here's somebody who I went to see rattle and hum in the theaters like 19 times. <laughs> so huh? it's, you get like trance, it just transports you and it transports you back and forth into these like times in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with, you know, another Pearl Jam one, but I worked with them at House of Blues for a, for a charity event. Yeah. Um, you know, and then a lot of the artists that are just massive now, when going back to the smaller venue kind of come the cradle, up, the cradle to grave, the cradle to grave. I did Eminem shows. I did Kid Rock shows. I did Slipknot. I did Lincoln Park. I did, you know, Kanye West. I had the ability to work on all of these different, really cool, talented artist shows. And then go stand in an opera box and watch it or go stand on the floor and watch it. And it's, you know, those experiences just don't, they just stick with you. And then yeah. you see that person. And, you know, I was at a kid rock show over the summer of 2019. And I think back to like that night at house of blues, when he and Joe C needed a ride to go Just, see Herb at liars club. Oh my God. And so they pile in to my 1994 Acura Integra yes, into the did. back seat. And I drive over to Liars Club and then I had to leave my car there that night because it wasn't safe for me to leave. Right. Because you were Um, at Liars Club. Because I was at Liars Club. Uh Um, But those and I think that happens to everyone. Right. Like I think that James Van Ostel going in to see Slipknot, James remembers Slipknot when he saw them 15 years ago. Right. And it's that you just get transported around in time. And that I think to me is the best part is, you know, again, as much as things change, they stay the same. And, you know, it just reminds me of, you know, all of the different opportunities I've, I've been given, you know, throughout my career. Um, I love that. So. And nostalgia is a powerful force, but especially if it's, stuff that helped make you who you are, like the, those little touchstones along the way. It's, and, it's, it actually helps you find who you are because mm-hmm. before my Q101 time, I wasn't a big like music fan. I mean, I liked music, but I had been to three concerts at that point in my life. The first being the Jackson victory tour at Commission nice. Park in like what, 1986 or whatever it was, or no, Sweet. 83. And then, I, I went to a Stone Temple Pilot show at UIC Pavilion. And then my third show was Pearl Jam at mm-hmm. Soldier, Soldier Field. Field. Yeah. And I'm working at it. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty, it it made didn't only make me who I am or help make me who I am, but it showed me who I wanted to be. There's nothing like live music. There's nothing, we talk, talked about this without saying the word, but community, it, it engenders community. And that's what we're missing. Absolutely. We're missing... We're missing the performances. We're missing the artists. We're missing the songs. But there is that shared sense of 
excitement that you get when you're around like-minded people like, oh my God, they're slip now. They're playing all out life or whatever. Look, Brian, whoever it is, it's about, it's a communal experience. That's what we miss. I mean, we're in this time of social distancing. I'm talking to you from my home. I never actually leave this room. This is all I do, John Reins. Uh, <laughs> I, I miss that community vibe. I miss, you know, I was watching the cold wave stream before we started doing our thing tonight and they've got these shots from bottom lounge and it feels like you're watching a club show. I'm like, Oh, I miss that. I miss that, that closeness yeah. and the loudness and the, the sweat and all that stuff. It, it's that shared coming together. Yeah. And the being at, at cold waves at Metro last year and, and turning around and seeing a former coworker of mine from my dome room days and, and not having really gotten to hang out with them in a long time and getting to spend time hanging out with Jeff and his wife, you know, while we're watching the show and, you know, during the intermissions or, you know, when we were the year before when the kickoff show was stabbing westward and they hadn't played together in Chicago in right. 20 years. And, you know, to be present at something like that is we need it. We, I, it, it, I truly believe that it fuels people. It, makes them strive for more and and you really kind of you get out of your head you don't there's no judgment there's no preconceived idea of who somebody is and what they're like if you're at a slipknot show you high five everyone you walk by (laughs) and it doesn't matter if they're wearing junko jeans or they're dressed up in khakis i mean we we mentioned the show probably getting beat up but still we've mentioned this show a, a few times tonight can we just agree? They're a fucking phenomenal sta- stadium level band. Fucking incredible. They're incredible. And, and the production is phenomenal. And it's, it's not just about the guys on stage. The guys on stage give everything they have for the people who are in front of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. And the production at those shows. And yep. just like, I get tired thinking about how much they run around and, the jumping and and climbing things and, you know, it's, but it's like a Rammstein show. Like you watch one of those shows and it's like, well, there goes Till with his flaming wings again. Uh Like it's, it's about the, just the obtuse, like get out of your head and just have this incredible moment. And those artists provide it. And, you know, you touched on it too. They're missing this too. There's, mm-hmm. there's no way you could equate a, a drive-in show or a live stream to being 10 feet away from somebody. Right. At, there, there's that give and take. the stage yeah. and being able to put your fist out to fist bump. Them. Like mm-hmm. it's anybody who is a music fan, which I, I tend to think a lot of people, you know, a lot more people are than are not is having a hard time not being able to go and, sure. and see these things. I mean, it's, it's all entertainment. It's movies too. It's that idea that for, let's say two to four hours, I know I can check out of all the bullshit I've been dealing with anything that's stressing me out. And for yep. this moment in time, I can be somewhere else and I don't have to worry about anything. And I'm it doesn't matter where moment. it transports you to. Exactly right. You, you don't, wherever it takes you, you don't have a mortgage. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have your car payment. Exactly. You just hope you paid it before you got there so they didn't take your car. But 
all of those things, just like you said, all of those worries just kind of dissipate once you, you know, that ticket gets scanned and you're in that door and you are like, it's on. And the first thing you do is you go look at the merch and you're like, what can I take with me? So I mm-hmm. never forget this. And that's mm-hmm. before note one. It, it totally is. Although I think the more veteran move is to look at the merch stand, decide what you want, decide what you want that won't sell out before the show is over. And then wait till the show is over to get it because you don't want to be holding a t-shirt or something for the entire show. I think or that's the more pro move. You look at it. Then you go to their websites and see if they're selling the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then you just have it sent to your house. And then there's Iron Maiden and bands like that who do special <laughs> limited edition for the market shirts that you actually have to get to the venue on time yes. to buy. Yeah. The uh, shirts or the posters and the, oh yeah. Exactly. Uh, so from your lips to our ears, this will rise again. The, this business that we all love and treasure will rise again. It's going to take some time. Uh, it's going to take some personal sacrifices. Wear a mask, stay inside, stay away from one another. Let's get through this. Don't be a dipshit. Listen to the rules and just, you know, give everybody who is involved in live music the chance to come back and show you why it's so fucking badass. That's it. Uh, John Reens, you you know, I think you're delightful. I am so glad that we finally did this because I, I, I miss you. I don't get to see you as often as I used to. Um, I can't look out the window of my office and wave over to the building uh-huh. in which you work. Um, thank you so much. This was, it's, it's fun to go down memory lane every once in a while. It is. And, and to spin things forward and look ahead. Yeah. Look, it's, this is live music is the Phoenix that has not been seen yet. And it, it will come back that strong. I want to thank everyone who's been watching on Facebook live um let's see there's adela ellen simkowski former colleague of ours uh dan schwimmer oh, jim ellen. tom mark lisa clarissa jamie uh zach spangler athena ken uh thank everybody for checking this out tonight uh this will exist as a podcast episode before i go to bed tonight and we're going to wrap up the social media stream now